thank you. Thank you for tuning in tonight to the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. You're listening to 880 The Biz. Tonight's special guest is a man who hopefully would need no introduction. His name is Carlos Miller. Carlos Miller is the editor-in-chief of the blog Photography is Not a Crime. That's www.photographyisnotacrime.com. You can find him on Twitter at Carlos Miller. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me at Grant Stern on Twitter. As always, we encourage you guys to reach out and touch base with us online. Lift up the phone. Let us know what you're thinking. And I think tonight's discussion you'll find especially important. Carlos Miller is a photography rights activist. His main focus is on photography that records the interaction between public officials, specifically law enforcement officers, and the general public. Many people and most law enforcement officers are unaware that photography is protected under almost all circumstances when recording interactions between people and their government. Unfortunately, this causes incidents. Incidents where innocent people are locked up and sometimes their, their photos, their videos, their personal property is destroyed <clears throat> in contravention of the 14th Amendment. In this country, we have rights. And without people like Carlos Miller fighting for those rights, they would disappear. Welcome to the show, Carlos. Thanks for joining us live in the studio tonight. <laughs> hey, Grant. Thanks for having me on. I'm just taking a picture, so you got me right in the middle of me taking a picture, which I will soon post. I caught you in the act. Yep. That's nothing new, Busted. right? Busted. Nothing new, right? <laughs> <laughs> nothing new. Nothing new. <laughs> so for our listeners, uh, Carlos Miller has been involved in, uh, in Miami photography rights for quite a long time, but, but his movement is a national movement. Please tell me a little bit about photographyisnotacrime.com. Tell us when you started it and what spurred you to start photographyisnotacrime.com. Well, in 2007, I was in Miami. I had returned to Miami after living 10 years away. I'm born and raised in Miami. I had lived 10 years away as a journalist, and I had returned to Miami, and I was freelancing for a local website, and I was doing a story on Biscayne Boulevard, and I came across some cops, and I took some pictures of the cops, and the cops told me that I was not allowed to take their picture. They told me this is a private matter. These cops were conducting an arrest, and there is no such private matter when cops make an arrest in public. So I told them that this is the public street, and from there, that's when it started. They told me to leave the area. I stood my ground. I asked them, please let me do my job, and, I'll, and you guys do your job. And they ended up coming after me. They ended up tackling me. They ended up bashing my head into the pavement. They ended up d destroying a flash. They cracked the lens, and they threw me in jail for 16 hours on nine misdemeanor charges. And the main charge was... I was being accused of standing in the middle of the street blocking traffic, which anybody knows Biscayne Boulevard, you would not so do So you that. were jaywalking, aggressively jaywalking, endangering the public health. Well, they were saying obstructing traffic. That was the main oh, charge, okay. obstructing traffic. And their main charge was like that I was standing in the middle of the street blocking traffic, taking pictures, and unlawful. I refused to obey their commands and disorderly conduct, obstructing justice, resisting arrest. They threw the book at me, and all because I would not stop taking their pictures. So the last picture I took right before they arrested me was showed the street behind them, 
which made it impossible for me to be standing in the middle of the street blocking traffic. They claimed they arrested me in the middle of the street. So I started the blog hoping the state attorney's office would have enough sense to drop the charge, thinking, okay, there's the evidence right there. We don't need to waste any more taxpayers' dollars in this case. And But when I started the blog, that angered the people from the state attorney's office, and it, it, it created a challenge. And they were not accustomed to anybody starting a blog. And this was in 2007. This was when most blogs were more like what I would call your Dear Diary blogs, Sure, they had like a you know a theme of like culture, entertainment. Right, they're very personal, and the mainstream media would never actually do anything. Would any would have a report a blog or write about their own trial? So I, I was doing something that was kind of unheard of, and most lawyers would tell me at the time they were telling me don't do that. But you know, I I was sticking to the truth. I was sticking to my story, and I figured. As long as I stick to my story and it's the truth, I keep it. And I knew I was not breaking the law. I'm going to keep writing about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. And the state attorney's office, they were not happy with that at all because it did not make them look good. And they kept postponing the trial and the trial kept getting delayed. And they were hoping that. And they kept offering me plea deals, which I kept rejecting. I mean, there were all these misdemeanor charges. And they said, well, we'll, we'll drop all these charges if you, if you plead guilty to one charge. And I was not going to plead guilty to any charge because I didn't do anything. So I said, well, let's take it to trial. And we took it to trial a year and a half later almost. And during that time, a lot of people from around the country had come across my blog. And they had come under similar circumstances with their own photography. They were out there taking pictures. And they were told by cops or security guards that, no, you're not allowed to take pictures. When, When numerous court cases have already ruled that photography is not a crime, that photography is protected by the First Amendment and is never made it to the Supreme Court because it doesn't have to. There's all these lower case courts, case case law that says photography is protected by the First Amendment. But Sure. But, but you know, these... <clears throat> so but these, everybody plea bargains. That's the, the deal these days. Right, right. They, they all plea bargain. And, you know, the cops have a saying that you can beat the the ride, but you can beat the rap, but you can't, you beat, can't the ride. beat the ride. And, and so they were thinking, okay, well, I mean, I, I obviously lost the ride there. They, you know, they beat me up, and I was all beat up. I, I lost the, you know, I spent the night in jail, and and it really created a lot of havoc in my life because you know I, I had a job assignment the next morning that I missed, and it just had to pay a lot of money. And but you know, I, I was going to stick to my guns. I, I knew I did not do anything wrong, and I was just going to keep. Keep, I'm going to fight all the way. I said, let me take this all the way because it, just as you mentioned, most people will take the plea deals, and I, I was not going to. So, well, so, that that's actually a poignant point, and, and that's something that's happening all over our justice system today. The prosecutors are threatening people with extra large sentences unless they take a plea bargain. Yes, because you know most people who get arrested, you know, it's a huge inconvenience to get arrested, and it's very costly. You may- and not only that, it creates a public record, a mugshot. Uh, you know, the, even though we have the presumption of innocence, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, including the trail that it leaves online, that suggests some form of guilt. You've been arrested for this. Yeah. Well, in my case, you know, I had been a journalist for almost 10 years out in the Southwest, and I came back here, and I'm born and raised here. I went to school at FIU, graduated with a degree in journalism. And in my case, I was almost blacklisted from the local media. I were, you know, that arrest. Well, you had worked for, uh, when did you work for NBC6? You worked well, for NBC6, worked, right? NBC Miami. I, I worked for them later on in 2009. But before that, I was working at the Arizona Republic in Arizona, which is one of the largest newspapers in this country. I worked at the San Bernardino Sun in California, the Las Cruces Sun News in New Mexico, where I was covering the border. So, uh, you know, I did a lot of really, 
you know, I did a lot of reporting. I covered the police beat, a lot of law enforcement. That and and was you in, worked you worked out west for how long? About ten years. About seven years. Yeah. Seven years yeah. in in Arizona, yeah. uh, California, right? Yeah. And uh, and you didn't get arrested out there. What was was there something different, or was well, it just happenstance? No, because obviously, if you have a press pass, you're working for the local newspaper. You have what they call credentials. So you cover and you go up to a police beat or a crime scene. And they're like, okay, you know, why are you here? You tell oh, in front of a newspaper. Okay, well, they they'll tape off the street or whatever, but they won't arrest. Sure, they'll they'll you give know. you like a little bit of extra courtesy. Of course, and and in this case, when I was in, in back in Miami, I did not have the credentials. I was not known here at the time, so they just thought I was just some Joe Blow on the street taking pictures. And you know, the law is very clear that there's no distinction between a mainstream journalist or corporate journalist. Or anyone who's w- went to school for journalism and just your guy with a camera, you know. Well, I think that's a really important point. People think that journalists have some sort of extra privileges. Now, now, ethically speaking, most journalists hold themselves to a different standard of behavior, especially you know when it comes to the exchange of you know it's, when it goes past the exchange of ideas. Somebody may no longer be a journalist, but you know, in the employ of or hire of someone, but. It's an important point. There's no special right for a journalist over an average everyday citizen to well, to photograph and, and or in public. I mean, wh- whether it's public or private. Well, well, the First Amendment makes it very clear is freedom of the press. And it doesn't make any distinction. It does not say freedom of the press if you work for NBC or the Miami Herald. Freedom of the press. And basically what that means is if you have access to the press, you have freedom of the press. And, sure. and, and historically, we've never had freedom of the press because most people do not have access to the press. But the internet right. changed well, that. Right, exactly. I mean, the press used to be something that was, uh, if not, it, I wouldn't call it guarded, but uh, certainly it was much more difficult to to share your thoughts, I mean, to, to worldwide. Right. So so the internet changed all that. So I, you know, I, I'm back here in Miami and I was, I needed this outlet, this journalistic outlet. And because journalism has always been in my blood, and you know, I just see, I I realized this local after I was arrested, the local blogosphere really, really discussed my arrest. It was burning up the local blogosphere as well as the blogosphere around the country. You know, the media, you know, maybe local ten did a story on it. Glenda Milberg did a story <clears throat> on it, but the Miami Herald might have done a small blurb on it, and maybe the New Times. But the rest of the media didn't really pay too much attention to my arrest. But the whole. The blogosphere around the country, like Thomas Hawk, who is a very known blogger in San Francisco, you know, he was all over the story. And and Dig, at the time, was very big as an aggregating site. I mean, they, it was in the front page of Dig, Boing Boing. These are sites I had not heard of at the time. And they, it, it was just burning up the blogosphere. And I right. saw a lot so, of potential So you're there. talking about like the these international, these are international social media networks like Dig, yeah. uh, Reddit. Reddit wasn't hot at the time, but Reddit actually was very good to me. Reddit was one of the sites, probably the main site that made me, that put me up to another level. That, but it took a couple of years for them because they were still dig was in two thousand and seven. Dig was still the top site, and Reddit was still trying to break it, break up there. Okay, well, we're gonna take a short station break, play a little bit of music. I want you guys to settle in. We've got a great rest of the interview coming up with Carlos Miller, the editor-in-chief of PhotographyIsNotACrime.com. We would love to hear from you. Tweet at us. Tweet with the tag only in Miami, hashtag only in Miami. Tweet at me, at Grant Stern or at Carlos Miller. We're answering your questions. We're going to take your calls a little bit later live on the Only in Miami show.
welcome back to the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with special studio guest Carlos Miller of PhotographyIsNotACrime.com. And we're going to take a minute to do something that we like to do in all of our shows, which is that this is the Only in Miami show. And each week we put together a blog post on Storify. And we go ahead and we chronicle some of your tweets uh, you know, people out there that are posting and hashtagging only in Miami. And, you know, all of our guests live in Miami, but they have, you know, important work that often is national or even international in scope. Like Carlos Miller, whose blog, photographyisnotacrime.com, has a national presence. Now, I want to come back to the article that I published in the Huffington Post about Carlos and one of his adventures uh, last month. We're going to come back to that. But, Carlos, I-, I want you to take a look at this El Costco. Have you ever seen this? The El Costco store? Yeah, that's over there on 27th Avenue, right? I, it's, I, it's on 12th Avenue. I've I driven mean, by it, yeah. Yeah, oh. I mean, I, you know, per, I've driven by it a hundred times. But until the sign was all lit up bright, yeah. I never noticed it. I mean, it, can you name, like, some Miami knockoffs that you've seen? through the years oh boy now you got me on the spot you know <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah like, yeah when you go to hialeah you'll see them all over the oh, place yeah yeah they're, they're like oh we're just gonna take one letter away yeah. from mcdonald's and it's like we're in mcdonald <laughs> yeah well you know in colombia they have an el costo so oh, that, really so that's what i thought that it was i mean it's probably not the same one but in colombia they have it and i always think of costco when i'm down there yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so is, do you think this is a Colombian chain that's, that's come up to Miami? Uh, probably not. Nah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if you take a look, like uh, Michelle Lynch posted, she found a Brazilian coin in her purse. I've never been to Brazil, only in Miami. <laughs> I've always said it's like, you know, go, traveling every week without leaving home down here. Well, it's like living like an expatriate in your own country without leaving the borders. <laughs> I, like, a, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Now, now you're you're of American and Colombian descent, right? Yes, my mom is Colombian. My dad was born in Virginia, and I was born in Miami, and I grew up in a Cuban neighborhood. So I have a lot of influences there. So, what's your favorite only in Miami story that you can tell on the radio? <laughs> Man, <laughs> well, you know, obviously the one I just told, of course, because the one I when it, you know it really me getting arrested actually changed my whole life and it put my career in a whole new direction. Sure. But, Best arrest you yeah. ever had, but yeah, but you know the the Miami stories. Are, I mean, you get them all. You know, just yesterday I posted a video of the guy walking into a store with a tw- uh, what was it a four foot alligator, and try <laughs> to change it for a twelve pack of beer, and he was arrested. And I think he was just asking for Budweiser or something. Oh well, the the problem is that that store probably only took sharks. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we had those on the Metro Rail before, right? Yeah, on the Metro Mover, the Metro Mover shark guys. Yeah. Those are, uh, yeah. The, uh, those are some real only in Miami stories. I mean, how did he get an alligator? Well, he stole it. Oh, he stole yeah, the alligator. <laughs> Where did he steal an alligator from? I forgot, but he, he stole. He was charged with stealing the alligator. I mean, he might as well just have stolen the beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, exactly. He could have stolen a 12-pack of beer. You know, he wouldn't have made national headlines that right. way. But, uh, you know, that would have been too simple, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, this one I really like. Uh, some girl standing next to me just ordered a four-pack 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. Just ordered a Four Loco on the rocks. <laughs> did you ever try Four Loco before they well, made course. it well, you illegal? Know, I, of course. Matt Meltzer and I, we did a story on that before when we were working at Miami Beach 401. And, and yeah, so I had some leftover Four Locos that I had for almost a year. And then some friends the, came over the and asked Yeah, formula. the original. And before they banned the caffeine course. and right. alcohol no, mixture. It's no longer the same. So, yeah, we... We we had a good time, and of course, I didn't sleep for about twenty four hours, which is, <laughs> which is not really that rare for me. But but you know, this time it was because of the four loco. Well, I mean, really, like who else was there? Oh, some friends of mine. Yeah, just yeah, a couple they, of friends. Well, they probably like, don't want me to. <laughs> no, 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 you don't have to tell me. Like, yeah. no, no, no. But I mean, yeah. So it's just you and Matt and a couple of friends. No, no, Matt so wasn't just, there that time. No, th- th- oh, you left is, Matt out of it. Yeah, Matt. We had we obtained the original. Well, four he doesn't locos. need four loco. Right. And, I mean, you know, he's. He's already loco enough. You see, right. you know, he's always like on it. I think he posts like five articles a day, right? Yeah, well, he yeah. is Thrillist Miami. Yeah, yeah, he is he's the editor. Yeah, yeah, and, and I am the occasional chief. photographer. So whenever you see a good <laughs> photograph, it's mine. Oh, okay. So only the good. Photographs. They don't allow cut line. They don't allow bylines on Thrillist. But as long as they pay me, I'm fine with that. Oh, really? Mm. I didn't know that. Why? Why is that? I don't know. So they pay, but they oh well, they pay, but they don't credit. Right. Oh, well, that's hey. You know what? I take the money. Yeah, take the money, right? Yeah, they take the money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Uh, there's there's a post by uh, at SFDB. You ever hear of him? Uh, that's the South Florida Daily Blog. That's Rick. Yeah. Hold on a second. Actually, wait. There's there's one by SFDB. I'm sorry. There's one by, uh, it's it's iHeartMiami305. Yes, of course. Yeah, they posted it a day ago. They said, uh, I believe an overprotective cat lady lives here. The cat, our cats are protected by secure, by surveillance cameras in this house. They have a huge sign out front, like a like a for sale sign. Yeah. I mean, do you deal with that? You, I, I I know that you're you're not far away from the studio here. Uh, do you see anything like that? The cat ladies, the 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 roosters. Of course. Well, yeah. Every morning I wake up to the roosters and uh, yeah, <laughs> off my balcony. Of course. Yeah. That, that's what makes Miami, though. I mean, is that is that what really wakes you up, or is that really what makes Miami, or is it both? Well, it doesn't really wake me up. It's just kind of it wakes me up when I don't hear the rooster. Then I'm like, wait, something's wrong. <laughs> you know, I used to live in a tiny place out west when I was attending Florida International, and the roosters would wait until two a.m. to crow because it was the only time you couldn't hear the traffic. Yeah, <laughs> and they just filled the gap like perfectly. Like they just as soon as it became quiet, the only time all day. Well, they want to be heard, like everybody else in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So, uh, you know, I, I want to go back to this. I wrote an article uh, about something, an incident that happened with you in Boston, Massachusetts. Yes, and I hadn't even been to Boston in like two years, and somehow I was facing felony charges and facing 10 years in prison. Now, now you committed a, a very evil crime. What was that? Yeah, it, it was very offense. It was very offensive what I did. I, I took the phone number to a public information officer who her job is to receive calls from the media. And I took it from the website of the her, Boston her Police Department. Her work number. Right. Her public government work number. Yes. The number is actually, if you Google Boston Police media spokesperson, that number comes up. So I put that phone number on my website, encouraging my readers to call because what they were doing was they were trying to charge an associate of photographers, not a crime, Taylor Hardy, with felony wiretapping. And he's a journalism student. He's a 26-year-old journalism student who works with me. And he had, a couple of months earlier, he had called them and recorded a phone interview with the public information officer. It was a very short phone call. It was about 30 seconds. He asked her if she had seen a particular video that I had posted on my website 
where a Boston police detective was pushing and shoving another citizen with a camera, telling him you're not allowed to record and pushing and shoving him and then threatening that citizen with felony battering a police officer when the camera and the video clearly shows the cop was battering the citizen. So I posted that on my website back in August. I encouraged my readers to call the Boston Police Department. This is what we do. This is how we we try to hold police accountable. We call them. And sure. We, we just we let, lift up the phone. Right. We let them know that we are paying attention. And even though the local media might not pay attention to the story, we will pay attention to the story. So they called and they called. And Boston police were very upset at those calls. So they decided to retaliate. So they, when my, my when Taylor Hardy decided to call them, he, he, what he did, he told them he was recording the call, but he made a mistake and stopped recording at a time when he told them he was recording. And he put it up on YouTube. There, there's a law in, there's a wiretap in law that says in, if you want to record somebody in Massachusetts, you have to let them know. Right. You may yeah. not do it secretly. Right. Yeah. You got to let them know. You know, different states have different laws. You know, Florida is also what they call an all party consent state. Sure. So, you know, if you call someone, you call like the, the store and they say this call may be recorded for, you know, for accountability purposes or whatever. Right. They, if they you don't you hang know. up, then you've given consent right. to being recorded exactly. for whatever purpose, exactly. you know. So, so normally, you know, Taylor Hardy, he, he has done plenty of these calls. And a lot of the guys who work with me, they do these calls all the time. They let them know, hey, we are recording this phone conversation and we just want to ask you a couple of questions. And in this case, well, he had he pressed the button and he stopped recording. So they saw that opening. And, and you know, it was a very the, – the video he posted did not even make it a blog because it was – he asked the public information officer, have you seen this video? She said, no, I have not seen the video. So I, there was no point in me putting it up on my website. Sure. And, but he he self published it, right? He, like he, we've been talking about, right. he has the power of the press. He has the power of the airwaves, so to speak. And he published a video containing audio only, right. correct? Uh, yeah, and, and on his own YouTube channel. Well, he had a he put video of my website. He was shooting his camera, showing the article I had written about. Sure. And but you know it, it took I think at the time it had ninety six page views because there was nothing very interesting about that video. Okay. But then they and he did not even put the lady's name. To it, but somehow she, they tracked it down, knowing they were really looking to find something their nail is on. So, so probably they they investigated him after he investigated the cops. Well, well Taylor they, Taylor went and investigated the Boston PD, and they investigated back. Like they well, took his name down. Well, they investigated us. They investigated photography is not a crime. Okay, and anybody who is associated with that, and, and they found an opening with Taylor Hardy's call. They said, okay, this is because we're usually very we're very. Um, careful but we don't leave any openings for them and this was the first time we were ever been threatened with a felony so they 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 sent him a letter said okay we are going to charge you with felony wiretapping because you recorded this woman's voice and you put it up on the internet without her consent now if they really were concerned about that all they had to do was call him up and say hey do you mind removing this video and he would have been happy to do that but no they really wanted to send a message they were trying to intimidate us because we were exercising our right to free speech and so when they so okay so so they they charged Taylor with a felony. They, well, it wasn't technically a, it was they were, were going to bring it before the magistrate judge. Okay, so so, so they they made a but they made a summons to appear a criminal complaint a criminal right. complaint right for a felony charge for a felony charge. Right. Okay, so so it was not a, an official charge, but it was a summons to appear. You had to hire counsel. Of course, and normally, you know, if a cop presents something to a magistrate judge, the magistrate judge usually rubber stamps it. 
That, right, especially how, if it's not opposed. Exactly. And if you're notified. Exactly. And, and these are judges who work with the Boston Police Department every day. You know, Taylor and I, we're from Miami. We, you know, Taylor had never been to Boston. I was up there maybe two years ago, and I don't know anybody. I don't know the cops or anybody up there. So and, so what happened? Okay, so they, they issue this criminal charge against, or I'm sorry, this summons to appear. Right. You know. They told uh, him he had to fly up to Boston and appear before the magistrate hearing in sometime in November. Okay, so so you reacted by blogging the situation, right? So I said, well, you know, that's not right. So I, I wrote about it and I said, well, oh, and by the way, the the lady who's charging him was the public information officer. So I said, well, here's a public official. Her job is to take calls from the media, and suddenly she says her she claims her her privacy was invaded because he called her up while she was on the job. He called her up on her work on number. her official work number. He asked her a work related question. And, and they're claiming, well, yeah, she, you know, she feels violated. It had 96 page views. And so, you know, it was obvious what they were trying to do. So I wrote about it. And I said, well, look, here's the, the lady's number. Listen. Yeah, it was, uh, they, they were trying to silence yes, photographyisnotacrime.com yes. and, and get them to cease an investigative journalism report about an incident where the Boston police vi- potentially violated the civil rights of well, an innocent citizen, and it was recorded. Yeah, it was very clear. I mean, the local media, of course, didn't really pursue that one incident. They should have, but, you know, we, we can't really depend on the local media in any city anymore. So this is why the blog fear is very important. And, and so, you know, I reacted. I said, well, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put the number up there. And I'm going to tell my readers, hey, give her a call and let's, let's ask her or, or let's – I forgot the words I used. But I basically say, you know, let's ask her to, to withdraw the charges because they're really – I mean, it's kind of overboard what they're going or trying to trying to do. So, and my readers responded. You know, I, I average easily ten thousand page views a day. Sometimes twenty thousand. Sometimes a hundred thousand. Sure, yeah. depending on the size of the story. Right. I know some of these stories go highly viral within hours. Yeah. Some of them, you know, people are maybe not as interested in, or, or maybe some of them are just part of normal journalism. Not everything's going to be right. Not everything exciting. goes viral, but. Even on an average day, I still get a very good amount of traffic. And, and these are readers who are very loyal, and they're readers who, who are part of what I do. You know, my thing has always been including the readers in my journalism because I'm one guy. And no, when I worked at the newsroom, we had other reporters, we had editors, we had publishers, we had photographers, we had, we had lawyers, we had everybody. And you know, running this blog has been by myself. So I've always reached out to the readers and go, hey, can you guys make these calls? Can you guys ask for these public records? Can and they're always very happy to do that. Well, it's great that in, in the blogosphere, you generate a lot of activity, yes. whereas a lot of traditional media is only one way. Yes, because that, that's the whole thing with, the, with social media. The blogosphere is all very interactive. We're all in this together. And you know, without the readers, photography is not a crime. would be nowhere where it is now. And, of course, without the blog, those readers would not have the outlet it would not have the source of information that they're receiving every day. And this is information that's very important to them. This is an issue because no one else is really writing about this, these issues. Sure. This, well, I mean, there's a, there's a select few people that are writing about certain related issues. For yes. example, Radley Balco. Yes, of course. Radley Balco is very good. He's actually one of my inspirations for the blog. But, you know, no one's really focusing as much as I am on the photography issue, the right to record. Sure. And, and this is a very important issue. I mean, I read Radley Balco's new book. Uh, it's about the military uh, militarization of police in America, yeah. and uh, you know, and, and he was talking about this as being one of the, uh, the the counterbalances, the reforms, the rise of the warrior cop. Yes, 
Yes, and I have a signed copy that I'm halfway through, but I had to finish my own book. So I had a, well, we, he'll be down here in January, by the way. Radley Bach will be down here, and him and I, along with Mickey Osterreicher, will be on a panel with the Broward ACLU talking to the Broward County Sheriff's Office, encouraging them to hopefully put cameras in their cars and hopefully wear body-mounted cameras under uniforms. So that, that's one thing we're trying to do with the help of the ACLU, and Radley Bach will be down here. That's going to be January 28th. Fifth or twenty eighth, I believe it's it's well, late that, January. That sounds like a measure that would protect both parties, the cop and the citizens. But, well, cameras, of course, they protect both. You know, is is the camera for the most part does not lie, and for and, the most part, right? Well, you know, you can always anyone can twist. You know, you, you had people like like I mean, what are those people for? Um, I forgot the guy's name who did all those that expose. That there's on on the day on the. Was it the Acorn? What were those guys? You know? Oh, oh, the the conservative blogger that made it look like Acorn was right. uh, evil empire. And you know, investigations um, proved or turned out they they were actually very misleading. But for the most part, if you're on the street and you're shooting video, you, you know, here's the difference. You know, before the advance of technology, before the advance of these digital cameras, cops would make an arrest and they would basically write whatever they they said happened. They would create their own reality. Sure. And sometimes it was true, sometimes, and a lot of times it wasn't true. In my case, it wasn't true. And I've written countless cases where it wasn't true, where they create their own reality. And without the camera, you go before a judge and a jury, they're always going to believe the cop. Sure. Well, I, you know, in Radley's book, um, they mentioned a study, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but they mentioned a study where it was something like a plurality, like many, many judges expect that the police are lying, yeah. at least some of the time. And like... You know, as you go through, like, you know, even the prosecutors, like it was a very, like it was a super majority of prosecutors that expected the police might lie Well, it, on it, the stand. It, perjury. It, We're it, talking about perjury expected within our, our civil and criminal court system. That's a little scary. Well, it's not only accept, expected, it's accepted, you know, and that's why they do it because they know they can do it. I mean, I, I've seen them do it on my stand. They do it all the time. They they just create their own stories out of thin air and, and it's accepted. You know, if I would go up there and... and and lie, I would be charged with perjury. But cops, yeah, they have a license to lie, and 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 that's unfortunate. And so we have to have cameras. We have to protect ourselves, the citizens. And you know, if the cops have nothing to hide, then they should not worry about the citizens recording them. They should tell the citizen, "Look, you you have the right to record. Please stand over there. Don't interfere with my investigation, and record all you want." There's a lot of cops to do that. You know, just the other night, I was walking back for a meeting, and there was some crime scene there. I was taking pictures, and a cop. Walks up to me, and I thought, okay, here we go. He's going to say something. And he goes, did you get a good shot? And I said, no, it was too dark. And, you know, and that was it. So that, that him, he was letting me know that he doesn't care that I'm taking pictures. So that was cool. Sure. And it was too dark, and there wasn't really anything going on. But I, I took a little creative shot there with a sticker from Photographers in a Crime and, and the, the lights in the background. But, but, you know, that's it. But, you know, I'm so accustomed to getting cops coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I thought he was already asking, may I help you? May I help you? And that's what they always start. I go, no, if I need help, I would ask you to help, I'm, you know, for help. I'm here, sitting here taking pictures on a corner. I'm not doing anything. Well, I, I don't think we wrapped up with the, the Boston incident. So you, you published a blog. Yes. And, and by the way, listeners, this is uh, I'm your host, Ad Grandstern. This is the only in Miami show. And we're here with Carlos Miller of the photography is not a crime.com blog. So Carlos published a news story on his blog. And in that news story, he included the publicly available contact information for the Boston Police Department.
because they had sent a criminal summons to appear to one of Carlos's uh, associates, associate yeah. reporters for Pinnock. He's part of the crew. Part of the crew. Uh, and they sent that summons because he had recorded an interaction on this government employees, this, this police officers, this public information officer's official phone number where she could be expected to be quoted on the record for everything that she says. And she's a media-savvy police officer. She's in charge of public relations with the media specifically for the Boston PD. So you published her work phone number, and what ensued? And then, of course, the readers called her, and they called her repeatedly. They called her a lot. Yeah, they called her a lot. And I knew that would happen. And L- Like a blitz of calls. Right. It, it, it's, it, we call it the Pinnock Wrath. It, it just, okay. And that's what happens, you know, and we call them and we let them know that, you know, just way out of line what you're doing. You guys are clearly trying to intimidate these guys down here in Miami who are just doing nothing but trying to produce the truth and trying to write the truth and trying to report the truth. And this, this is a modern form of, of, you know, dissent, of complaint. Well, yeah. And this is the, we have the right. The First Amendment not only guarantees us freedom of the press, but it guarantees us the right to petition the government. And that's what our readers do. Sure. Yeah. So, so you initiated a petition of yeah. a government official, a police officer. Yes. And your readers actively petitioned that officer. How did she respond? Well, well you know, just to, for accuracy purposes, she is actually a civilian employee of the police department, which doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. So, she's, so a she's a civil servant. Right. She's not a police officer. She's actually a straight civil servant. She's getting paid by the taxpayers' dollars. She's working for the Boston Police Department. She represents the Boston Police Department as a spokesperson. But, you know, just, so but she, she is an official spokesperson for a government agency. Yeah, she just does not have arrest powers. That's the only thing. She's okay. not a police officer. But. Okay, so she's not a police officer, but she's she's representing a, a police department in official capacity. Without a doubt. If you as a her, civilian. If you Google her name, you'll see Boston Police. What's her name? Oh, my God. Yeah, I kind of forgot right now. but <laughs> that, That's okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up. I think we have it in the story. It is there somewhere. So, so Okay. They, but how how did she respond? Well, you know, she never personally responded. She got a detective involved, and I, I received an email from a Boston police detective, and and he basically said, "Hey, you know, we want to talk to you about Taylor Hardy, and maybe we can re- solve we can resolve this without without again going any further." And you know, I'm the, as a publisher of this website, you know, my main priority was look, let, let me address this issue with Taylor Hardy. You know, this this guy, he's 26 years old. He doesn't have a whole lot of money. He's freaking out. He's like, okay, I got to buy a ticket to Boston because if I don't go, they're going to have a bench warrant out on me. And probably needs legal counsel. Right. And, and you know, he's just a guy who's just trying to just do his, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. He's Her going name to is uh, Angeline Richardson. Oh, yeah, Angeline Richardson. She's the Boston police yes. spokeswoman. Yes, that's her name. Okay. And so, you know, so I call the detective back as publisher of this website and say, okay, yeah, what's going on? And we started talking. He's like, look, you got to get your callers to stop calling, your readers to stop calling. And I said, well, you know, I at this point have no control over that. And, and I said, well, are you guys going to drop these charges? Are you going to withdraw the charges? And we kept talking. And he goes, by the way, you posted that number. I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, you're going to be charged with witness intimidation. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're kidding me, right? And he's like, I say, say that again. There's like 10 minutes into the conversation. And he's like, yeah, you're going to be charged with witness intimidation. And I said, okay, so you're saying because I posted this woman's number, her publicly listed number, now I'm going to be charged with something that is normally used against gang members and and like like Whitey Bulger, right? Someone exactly. like Whitey Bulger. Well, Boston a few years ago had a lot of trouble with with gang members who were 
intimidating witnesses who were going to testify against them with murder and murder threats. So they had this, they, this, this charge is very, is commonly used up there, but it's commonly used for people who actually do threaten witnesses with physical violence. Okay, and, and so so it, it's really, I mean, it's it's an anti-gang, anti-organized crime. Yes. Uh, a state statute that they charged you under. Right, right. And, I was, and, and for only for the crime of publishing public information that you can find on the Internet. Exactly. If you just look up how to contact the Boston and, Police Department. You Google, I think, Boston Police Media <laughs> spokesperson or public information. Right. It comes right up. Yeah. I mean, somebody who's contacted from all over the country. Uh, you know, for example, uh, dur- during the Boston bombing. Of course. Yeah, she was quoted. She was yeah. probably quoted yeah. all around the world, and she's the main contact. And this is public information. Yes. And so, yeah, so the, the detective was like, yeah, we're going to charge. And if you don't tell your readers to stop calling, well, we're going to charge every single one of those readers with witness intimidation. So I said, okay. So, so, there, so, so basically they decided that they're going to charge people petitioning the government for redress. Yes. With witness intimidation, a felony, right? Carrying a ten-year sentence maximum. Yes, maximum. And so I said, okay, well, you know, I I always found the whole thing kind of laughable, to be honest with you. So I said, okay, well, I'll be sure to tell my readers because I already know how my readers are going to react. You know, sure, they're going to call up. He's thinking, he's thinking, okay, you be sure to tell your readers now. You know, be honest with me. Call, you know, he has a Boston accent. Be honest with me, Carlos. You know, they, yeah, no problem, detective. I'll put it up there right away, right away. I'll put it up there. And he's thinking, okay, we got this. We, we scared them off. They're not going to call. And you know what? Not only, he goes, don't put my number up there. And I said, well, I, at first I said, okay, I won't. But then I did. I did put his number up there because I was upset that he kind of, kind of entrapped me into calling him and to making me admit. And not that I would ever not admit to actually publish a number because I have no problem with it. But he, well, sure, it's publicated. I right. mean, I think anybody could see it. Right, but but he, the only way he could actually charge me with that is if I admit to posting the number, right? And so, and I did. I, I have no regrets about that. But it, it was very, it was very sneaky the way he did it. Because, well, getting a little bit technical, most crimes require some form of criminal intent. Right. I mean, most felonies, especially those, are the most serious charges there are. Right. So he, they were claiming that I was, we were intending to harass. Her into, into or intimidating her from dropping these charges, and you know so you know just what happened was the next day I put the story up there and my readers just called and they called and they called and they would not let go they would not and 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 more websites kept picking it up and the more websites that picked it up a lot of lawyer blogs you know the Pope hat they picked it up and of course more that just led to more phone calls because basically the bottom line was they're saying. Boston PD is going to threaten to charge anyone with criminal witness intimidation if they call this public information number. That's what it boils down to. People read that like, no, nah, we're not going to we're not going to accept that. We're going to call. Wow. So so as as your charges mounted, your readers upped the ante and kept petitioning further. Yes. Well, we're going to step aside for a short music break. And and we're going to finish the story in just a few minutes. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with special studio guest Carlos Miller. And you can find Carlos at Carlos Miller on Twitter or at photographyisnotacrime.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and we'll be right back in a minute.
and welcome back to the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Morningside Mortgage, who you can check out at MorningsideMortgage.com. They've underwritten this hour and kept it commercial-free for the listener. This is the Only in Miami show with special guest Carlos Miller. Carlos, tell us a little bit about the future of Pinac. Your photography is not a crime. dot com blog. Oh, well, let, let me get. Let me finish the Boston story. You know, sure. Boston PD. They ended up. We ended up raising two thousand dollars in a matter of hours to hire one of the best lawyers in Boston. Sure. And they basically withdrew the charges, and that was it. That was. That was they They were the ones. They're accusing us of witness intimidation. They were the ones who were trying to intimidate us, and. It blew up in their face, but but you know Boston P- PD, you know they don't stop because now there's a story on my blog that I just wrote earlier tonight where they're doing the same thing to a couple of other journalists. So, so tell us tell us a synopsis of that story. Well, these are two young journalists who just started a new website. It's very promising, and one of the guys he does a lot of stuff for Cop Block in Massachusetts, and they went in there to make a public records request. They started off with phone calls. They want to record the calls. They let them know they're recording the calls. The DA says we're not going to talk to you unless you stop recording. Which you know you. So were... so are they allowed? Are public officials simply allowed to stonewall because they're being recorded? You know, I mean, I, I guess they're allowed. They're allowed to stonewall anybody. I mean, I don't see any law against that. But it, it's, you, I don't know. I, that, that's a good question. But you know, they will. They'll get away with it. I mean, they, they, there's no law that's gonna. They're not gonna face any consequences for that. But but yeah, so there's you know, and then when they went in there to the to the DA's office with their camera to make the public records request in person, the reporter had a camera and she was chased out by Boston police detectives, <sighs> and said, "No, you can't. We're not going to talk to you unless you turn the camera off." And she was like, "How about that camera up there? Why don't you guys turn that camera off? Their surveillance camera? Oh no, we won't do that. You got to turn off your camera." See, that's what it boils down to. They have the they believe they have the right to record us, but they believe we don't have the right to record them, and that's where they're wrong. You know they can record. We have no, you know, we got no say in that. They will record us. We have to accept that. But, sure. But we have to basically, well, especially on public property. Right. I mean, you know, you're in the public sphere, in the public right. space. But yeah. So they're they got their camera up, but we. I have, mean, they they can give notice that they are recording, and by entering the premises, right. you're giving them indirect consent. Right. Correct. It, correct. And so, but you know, they have a big issue with us recording them, and in this case, this journalist just wanted to document make a record of her turning in this records request. It was a very, very simple procedure. All they had to do was accept it. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll take care of it. But and then and then the Streisand effect hit. You explain that. I know that's one of your favorites. Well, it, we'll see it because I just posted the story today. So we'll, it probably will kick in. And we put the number to that Boston Police Department from his own card up there. So he probably will be getting calls tomorrow. And, and it was just very, I mean, you, you know, you look at that video and you see they're just basically resorting to intimidation tactics. And... And, you know, we have the right to request public records. We have the right to to make phone calls. They threatened one guy with with criminal harassment because he kept calling them, but they kept not taking his calls, you know. So he wanted to just make the call. <laughs> so, so he kept calling, and they said, well, because we're not answering, this is criminal harassment. Right, right. They don't want to answer the phone because they didn't like the fact that he was recording. He told them, I'm recording. They go, I don't want to talk to you. If you're recording, you have to wonder, what, what do they have to hide? I mean, if if they were just basically doing their job like they should, they should okay, sure. I mean, record all you want, and, and they should be doing their job, and they should 
maintain professionalism, but they don't. They don't, and Boston PD has a big problem with it, and it seems like everybody up there, because the DA's office and the state police, I wrote a story earlier today. So, so they, it sounds like a policy problem. It, it, it's a more, public policy it, it's problem. More, it's a bigger not, problem. Not yet. just in, in Boston. Well, I mean, ma- we've been talking a lot about Boston because of this major incident. But Well, well the thing is, in Massachusetts, we have, you know, the Glick decision was very important. In 2011, it was from Boston. So, so tell us, hold on, just tell us a little bit about Simon Glick. Yeah, Simon Glick was a lawyer in 2007. He was arrested for taking pictures, recording cops, and he tried to sue. They tried to... They asked for qualified immunity. They denied that on the basis that that people had the right to record, that the right to record is a First Amendment right, so it gave him the green light to sue. But now, the- now, hold on a second. Qualified immunity is a measure in the law that protects public officials like police officers unless they knowingly commit a crime while on the job. Well, you, you know, cops will always tell you not knowing the law is no excuse well, for but, them, but when, for but them when cops do not know right. the law, or they, it's actually a cloak of protection, isn't it? Or when they say they don't know the law. When and, they claim yeah. not to know the law. Right. They, they, but they hide behind that lack of knowledge because of the, the principle of qualified immunity. Well, in this case, it did not work. So, so they stripped the qualified right. immunity from Simon Glick's assailant, and, a police officer. Right. Well, it was a few. And Glick proceeded with his lawsuit. He ended up winning $170,000. And But the Glick decision was very clear, and it said that all citizens have the right to record. In this day and age, all citizens are potential journalists, and which was one of the first decisions I've seen in court cases that say that. Because, you know, we're still, I mean, the, the law a lot of times is trying to keep, is still trying to keep up with technology. So th- we call that a landmark decision, except the Massachusetts law enforcement officers, they're not abiding by it at all. They're not. They just basically laugh at it because they're like, who cares? You know? Well, it's it's kind of like the the risks that banks take. It's uh, you know, heads I win, yeah. tails the taxpayers lose. Exactly. That's tax money. Yeah, yeah. They don't care. They don't care. So, I mean, I I did see a rare story recent or a story that you wrote claiming that it was very rare uh, where a New Jersey police officer yes uh, actually was not only stripped of qualified immunity, but found personally liable. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, this is a cop who has a whole bunch of lawsuits against him. And he just recently, Atlantic City cop, and he has a habit of sicking his dog on people when they're getting beat up by other cops. And he just jumps into melee with his dog and allows his dog to attack the person who's already down. And so he was sued by a a lawyer, a guy who used to work for the DA's office, funny enough. And... And that that guy. So, so wait a second. The the victim of this crime was a district attorney, a prosecutor. And, and one crime. He has several crimes. I mean, he, there's several more lawsuits he will be facing. But this one happened a few years ago, and so they, you know, they, he was granted. You know, he was. They gave him five hundred thousand dollars, and they say he, the cop has to give has to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars out of his own pocket. We'll see that happens. I mean, I'm skeptical, but just the decision alone. But but the trial court made a very, very rare decision. Right. That was very impressive. And but you know, it's funny. This cop is still on the staff. I mean, he he should have been fired a long time ago. And but that that's another problem. You know, as a mortgage broker, we have to register with the federal government. They created an act called the Safe Act. I'm a mortgage broker, and I'm registered with the federal government as well as the state government yeah. for my activities. And police officers don't have that. No, they have. They they, they, they have can. The, they have the Police Bill of Rights, which apparently gives them a lot more rights than 
the Bill of Rights that supposedly protects the rest of us. <laughs> it's, so it's a special Bill of Rights for them that, yes. that none of us get. No. So they're allowed to basically kill. They're allowed to abuse their power. They're allowed to lie on the stand. They're allowed to do a lot of things that we are not allowed to do, and they get away with it. And this is why it's important for all of us to have our cameras because, like, in the case of, of this cop in Atlantic City, you know, he, he just he was caught on video, like I said, bringing his attack dog in there on a surveillance video. And, you know, and that, that kid is suing, but they were claiming, yeah, that guy, he, he was all aggressive with us, and he deserved to be beat up. And the video shows he, you know, he might have been mouthing off, but these cops just were way overboard on him. And it just, it was very, very repulsive to see that video because you see these people are just completely out of control. And there was already like five cops on the guy. And then this guy comes along and, with his dog and just throws his dog on the guy. And it was just, it, it was just, just torture. It's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. So you have a book coming out next year. Yes. In May, it's going to be a handbook to citizen journalism. You know, I've, become the authority on citizen journalism over these years. Which and, and, and who's publishing it? It's a, it's a publisher out in, in the U.K. And, oh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> a very generous publisher out in the U.K. Yes, yes. And it's going to be published in 23 languages throughout the world. Wow. And, and it comes out in May. I've been working... And that's why you've been staying up 24 hours yeah, yeah, pretty frequently. I, I mean, I have to keep up the blog and keep up the writing. And now uh, we've, I finished the first draft of the book, so I'm revising it. And it goes to print the first week of January. So it's very, it is a very crucial time. Okay, so, so the first week of January... We should wait. The first week of January, it goes to print. It won't, okay, I mean, it goes it, to print. Yeah, it, and it, then it'll be out. It gets published in May. Okay, so for our listening audience, this has been an hour chat with Carlos Miller of the Photography Is Not a Crime dot com blog. He's got a book coming out in May, the Citizen Journalist's Handbook. This is the Only in Miami show with Grant Stern. And we're coming back at the top of the hour. We're going to bring Carlos back for a few more minutes before the drastic fanatic gets here to talk sports and the Miami Heat who are playing right now. So sit back, relax. We have a few minutes worth of commercials. And then we'll be back with the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage. Thanks for listening, and we'll be right back at the 8 o'clock hour. Only in Miami. Florida's only business radio station. Part of the Wall Street Business Network. 880 AM, The Biz. For men, it's all about testosterone. As you age, testosterone levels decline, along with performance, muscle strength, and energy. It shows up at the gym, but you see it most in the mirror. You see that older guy who's put on 20 pounds, lost a step, and lost more than a little muscle tone. She's already noticed. It's not your fault. You owe it to yourself to try a free one-month supply of Enzyte MRC, a male refueling complex to support healthy testosterone levels. Men everywhere depend on Enzyte MRC and how it makes them feel and look in the mirror. 
welcome back, big guy. Bottom line, Enzyte MRC is for men who want to refuel that stronger, leaner, healthier, energetic, and masculine man they left behind. Feel the difference with a free 30-day trial of Enzyte MRC. All you pay is shipping. Act now and get a free sports bag with your free trial. Call 800-945-5757. 800-945-5757. 800-945-5757. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. Free trial requires via life enrollment with future shipments. Writing a Christian book, you're doing an amazing thing, getting it all down on paper. But once you've got the manuscript, then what? Well, you can spend a year or more trying to find a publisher, or you can cut right to the chase. Make your book real with Zulon Press. Finding a publisher is time-consuming and uncertain. With Zulon Press, things are quick and definite. They specialize in one thing, helping Christian authors put their books in print. Zulon Press will publish your book. Zulon Press gets it into bookstores. Your book is on Amazon. Work with Zulon Press and there's no question, you are a published author. If you're writing a Christian book, get your free publishing guide from Zulon Press. Just log on to ChristianPublishing.com. That's ChristianPublishing.com. Zulon Press, book publishing by Christians for Christians. Get your free publishing guide at ChristianPublishing.com. Zulon Press is a division of Salem Communications, the same people who bring you this nifty radio station. Federal judge opens the door to polygamy. I am Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. This summer, when the Supreme Court struck down the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, Liberty Council warned that the decision would lead to polygamy and religious intolerance. Just six months later, a federal judge has ruled that key parts of Utah's polygamy laws are unconstitutional. We have warned of this slippery slope for years. If marriage is deconstructed to include people of the same sex, then there is no logical or legal argument to ban polygamy or polyamory. Same-sex marriage is the abolition of marriage and will destroy the most basic foundation of family and civil society. Marriage predates government and civil authorities, and no legislative body or court has the authority to redefine marriage. For more information on how you can defend and advance the family and marriage, visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. During the holiday season, it's become commonplace to criticize the commercialization of Christmas. From a deeper perspective, however, the surge of gift buying strengthens the commercial and personal connections of interdependence that make community possible. If retailers enjoy good Christmas business, it's a sign of strength for the larger society, just as disappointing results indicate widespread hardship. Buying and selling are entirely voluntary transactions, demonstrating the operation of a free market that functions best when there's peace on earth to men of goodwill. What's negative about the prospect of hundreds of millions of Americans taking great pains to express affection for friends and family? In fact, the kind instincts behind the giving mania and the ubiquitous figure of Santa may at least bring us closer to the higher love that's part of the holiday's religious message. I'm Michael Medley. The daily inside analysis and clarity in the townhall.com commentary comes to you from the Salem Radio Network. Getting sued by debt collectors? Don't declare bankruptcy. Declare war. Listen to Debt Warriors with Bruce Jacobs on 880 AM The Biz. Then visit DebtWarriors.com and call 866-DEBT-WAR. That's 866-332-8927. Bruce is the bank's worst nightmare. A former Miami prosecutor and an experienced trial lawyer trained in cutting-edge debt defense strategies and tactics. Debt Warriors with Bruce Jacobs airs live Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Replays Tuesday, 7 p.m. Revolution will not be.
be televised. WZAB Sweetwater, South Florida's only business radio station. 880 AM, The Biz, a division of Salem Communications. On the NASDAQ as SALM. Welcome back to the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with special studio guest Carlos Miller from the Photography is Not a Crime blog. And in a few minutes, the Drastic Fanatic, my co-host, will be joining us. And we'll be talking about Miami sports, the Dolphins, the Heat. Uh, The Heat are playing right now, actually, and I'm missing it (laughs) to be with you guys. Uh, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm a heat junkie, but, uh, you know, this, this is what I love to do. So right now the heat are leading the Atlanta Hawks 18 to 15, about three miles east of here at the American airlines arena. And we're going to be discussing all of the local sports news, Miami dolphins, uh, Miami heat, Kobe Bryant with the drastic fanatic. He's at drastic fanatic on Twitter. Coming up in just a few minutes. But before then, uh, I'd like to mention next week's show. Next week, we're going to have Karen Anderson, the operations director of the Aventura Wine and Food Festival. She couldn't join us tonight, but you can check it out at aventurawineandfood.com. That's coming up on January 12th from, I believe, 12 to 5. And it's going to have numerous, numerous, numerous wonderful restaurants and uh, we're looking forward to having Karen on the show. She's a veteran of, uh, of Living Social, uh, which is very interesting. One of the coupon sites. She used to work for them. And uh, I hear that an, a Midtown, a Midtown uh, Wine and Food Festival is in the offing for Midtown Miami as well. And that's going to be exciting. That's next Monday night at 7 p.m. with special guest on the Only in Miami show, Karen Anderson. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it tonight, but we're looking forward to speaking with her for an hour at 7 o'clock next week. But we're here with Carlos Miller right now from the photographyisnotacrime.com blog. And, and, and we're going to keep going for a few minutes until the drastic fanatic arrives, and we're going to talk sports at that point. But right now, tell me a little bit. What is up? What is in the future besides the book? You've got the book, the, the Pinac book. Yeah, well, the books get very exciting. I mean, all my life, my goal was to write a book and publish a book. And, and so he, I got my chance and I'm, I wrote it. So I'm looking forward to that. But the big news for Pinnock after, let's see, seven, we're going on, that started in 2007. So this is going to be going on the seventh year is that we formed a partnership with two of uh, probably the, the two of the most awesome activists in Florida regarding public records requests and the right to record is, Joel Chandler and Jeff Gray. I in last year I well so, actually so this who's, year. who is Joel Chandler? Well, well Joel, Joel Chandler he's he lives up in the Tampa area mm-hmm. and he is he is Florida's number one public records advocate. You know he is the expert. He's the guy that trains the lawyers how about public records law. 
And so I got to know him a few years ago when he came. He drove down for my Metrorail protest. I think it was 2009 or 2010. That and, that was when the the Miami Dade Metrorail. Yes. Or the the we, Miami. Yes. Miami Dade Metrorail. They they interfered with your right to record. Right. They they basically said I was permanently banned because I took pictures, and I returned a month later with a news crew from HDNet TV, and I was assaulted on camera, and. So I returned about a month later with about 25 photographers and as a protest to show that we have the right to record and we're not going to back down even if you insist on assaulting us and, and giving us, basically threatening us with permanently, permanently banning. There's no, there was no protocol or anything. So I went back with 25 photographers, and Joel Chandler was one of them. He drove down from Tampa. He was reading my blog and drove down and joined us in that protest. And, of course, when you show up in numbers, they don't – mess with you, you know, because they know we have the right. They mess with you when you're by yourself or with a couple of people, but they... We, but when there's a large group, right? they they don't want to bring out the riot police to arrest people for photographing well, public it, property. They probably want to, but it, it wouldn't look good because there's so many cameras around. Oh, it wouldn't look good. Well, That's well, the only reason well, why. A lot of the cameras it wouldn't be a smart thing to do. And by then, you know, everyone knew I was coming with a protest because I was talking about it on my blog, so they probably got the message from high above, like, like let these guys just just go in and do their protest. So so that's where I met Joel Chandler, and I met Jeff Gray. You know, I've been writing about Jeff Gray. He lives up in St. Augustine, and he is a former truck driver who started reading my blog, and then he started going out there with his own camera and started recording police, and he got very inspired by my blog. And he, he's, he has a very, very natural ability to record cops. He's very professional. I mean, this guy was a, a truck driver for 20 years, and, and he, he comes across a lot more natural than a lot of journalists who've been doing it for 20 years. And and so he now he's a partner, and we're going to incorporate Penac. And these guys, we've already got big plans for next year. We're talking to investors. We're 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 we got a lot of plans, and we're going to really expand the blog and hopefully bring on some new people, as maybe even a managing editor, to do some to, out of D.C. That's one of my goals, and we really want to take this to not just another level but maybe another five levels up. And we want to bring photographers on a climb up there to be on par with any major news site in this country. And we got we already got the potential to do it. We already got the, the interest. We got the interest from investors. We got the lawyers who are willing to be part of it and professional journalists who I've already been talking to, and they want to be part of it. So it's just now it's just a matter of putting the business plan together, which we will, because you know by myself it's very hard to do something like that because I'm constantly writing. But with these guys on board, and we got more people. These guys are just the main partners, but we got a lot of people doing a lot of public records requests. You know, I mean, a lot of the stories I'm writing nowadays are they have public records requests that we follow up on them, and we're doing a lot more investigative pieces. Stuff that you know, these are things I was never able to do. I never had the time to do before. Cause it's very time consuming. We got now. Now we got a re- retired gentleman up in, up in Jacksonville, and he's that's all he does. He spends his days do, doing public records requests, and he has a blast doing it. So, so we have a we got a lot of, a lot of potential, and we, we got a lot of clout. But you you've story. got a lot of influence. You're activating regular people to be citizen journalists. That, and that's that's true, and, and that's that's our strength because we're we're. In inspiring people, we're educating people, and we're inform- we're letting them know that they have the right to do this. So, you know, a lot of these stories I'm writing are for people making public records requests. They're doing it because they were inspired by something they saw on my blog, whether it was something I did or Jeff Gray did or, or Joel Chandler did. 
and, and you know, they're all, you know, I have people say, yeah, yeah, like Carlos, I think you're great. Or people, oh, man, Joel Chandler, he's the best. Or Jeff Gray, I love that guy. You know, you know so, so the three of us together, there's a lot of, a lot of people who really appreciate the work we do. And we're all, we're all very humble about it. We, we, we appreciate all the readers. We, we, we respect them and, and we encourage them. And, and, and you know, because like I said, without the readers, we're, we're nothing. And, and that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. And that's what's going to set, set us apart from the New York Times or the Huffington Post or anything, that we're, we're not going to talk above our audience. We, we, the audience is we're part of that audience. And, and that's what makes us very strong because there's no other news site that calls the, the police like we do and calls on behalf of the reporter. There's, no, there's nothing out there like we do. And, and that's the difference. And that's why and we're just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. And, and as the mainstream media, they keep losing power and they lose clout and they keep losing money and they're not, they don't know what they're doing. We're, we're gaining momentum because not only do we have all these citizens who want to be part of this and, and want to learn how to do this, but we got lawyers on board. And the lawyers who say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm on board. If you need any help, if any of you guys get arrested, I'm on board. I'll help you out pro bono. And that's very important because we need lawyers to do that. And we get, and we just we're still putting the pieces together. So, so I mean, I'm talking well, a lot. I right think now, it's very exciting. I mean, it it's very, very exciting. exciting because you know uh, most news outlets consider themselves like like megaphones. Yes. And, and your news outlet is a discussion. Yes, and, and we're going to keep making it more of that. You know, I want to build up the forums and the site. Too. I want to make it more interactive. I want I want to give the readers more of a, a stronger voice than they already have, and I've always been you know I've always told the readers you know you guys have a very open forum. I don't like to moderate. I don't like to censor. You, you know it can get very heated in the discussion forums. But I think I may have deleted maybe five comments in six years, and those are way over the top. But you know people know they can get you know they can speak their mind and they can disagree with me, and it happens all the time. And but they had that right, and, and I don't see how anybody could disagree with you, Carlos. <laughs> You'd be surprised, <laughs> really. Yes, all the time. It happens quite often. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking about the First Amendment, here. right? But there's, you know, I can get very opinionated about certain things, you know, and and you know, we have look the thing about the 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 stories are right. You know, we all agree on the First Amendment, but sometimes. We, we disagree about if I make a political remark, say, they might not agree with something I agree with politically. And that's okay, you know, because we all agree with the main thing. And, and we all have, you, you know, we're all, we believe in the main thing. The most important thing is the First Amendment. But, but, but you know, if it's like any friends or family, we don't agree all the time, but we still, we still, we respect each other's opinions. Well, I, I think that's what makes America, America, that we can all discuss everything. We don't need to, you know, like put people in prison of for what not. they say or what they well, think. You know, you, you, you know, this seems to be they keep trying to do that, and that the Boston PD thing was a very big step because they were trying to take a, they were trying to prove a point, and we threw that right back in their face. And we, and so it's surprising that Boston PD is still trying to do that with these journalists, and maybe they think they're going to get away with it, but we are going to call them on that tomorrow. We will be calling them on that. We will be calling that detective, and we're going to say, look, guys, you, you know, these guys are just making public records requests, and. And why can't you just accept it without being on camera? Why, why is a camera such a big issue? Well, I, I think it calls to question a, a culture of, of opacity, a culture of hiding the truth. Yeah, well— And, and the Internet is, is all about creating a culture of finding the truth and exposing the truth. Well, well the Internet and, and PENAC especially, we're all about transparency— and that's what differs from the mainstream media. They've always they always claimed to be very objective, 
and there's no one who's very who's truly objective and and I know that because I worked in the media before and I and no one's really truly objective they pretend you know at least we're transparent I might be opinionated I might say you know what I believe in and you might not always agree with me but at least you know where I'm coming from and even the cops who disagree with me they they will respect me once they start reading because they say okay at least where you know he's coming from he's not gonna mislead us he's not gonna lie to us that we you know we can tell him things and a lot of cops do tell us things off the record and there's believe it or not there's a lot of cops who do who are big fans of the blog well you know what i'm a big fan of the blog I, I love that logo by the way oh yeah that was the, the, you you were the one who inspired we were sitting <laughs> we were sitting on the balcony we both came up with it i mean we both discussed it i mean i was thinking more of a raider logo and you had the badge idea so it was a great logo, and I'll give you a sticker because I just got a new sticker. Oh, oh, I'd love one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, stickers for everybody. We'll post those on our Twitter account. Yeah. I'll post them at Grant Stern. We'll post them at 880thebiz. That's our official Twitter account. And, you know, thanks for coming out, Carlos. I think it's been very informative for our audience, uh, for anybody that's interested in citizen yeah. journalism, who, who takes photos, who wants to hold public officials accountable for their actions. Yep. Um, you know, I think it's indispensable what you do. The blog is photographyisnotacrime.com. And I highly encourage our listeners tonight to go check out photographyisnotacrime.com. We're going to be back in just a minute. This is the only in Miami show sponsored by Morningside Mortgage. We're going to have a little sports chat. I see that the drastic fanatic is in the house and... Join us in just a couple minutes. We're just going to listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with Drastic Fanatic. How are you, Mr. Stern? Doing quite well. So, you're wearing a lot of jet skier there, huh? Nah, just a hat, you know. Just a hat. Oh, gearing up shirt. early, gearing up a green shirt. for a knockout yeah, yeah, punch. The, the green shirt, the hat. Uh, coordinated, color coordinated. Yeah, really? Is that, is what that, a difference uh, a week makes, huh? Well, I mean, I, I, what we still we win, we're in, right? Is that it, or is do it, we need? I don't do think it's that easy anymore. No, no it's not no. that easy. No. Well, okay, the 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 Bengals clinched. The Bengals clinched, and uh, and the Dolphins clinched. 
What they, they froze. <laughs> they they froze. Laid a golden goose egg. Yeah, I I agree. It was a golden goose egg. I I think that uh, that Tannehill's getting Jeff. Uh, I'm sorry, he's getting David Carr syndrome. Yeah, there's only badly. There's only so much a man can take. You know, uh, he took a lot. <laughs> he took a lot. Yeah, he took a lot. He had the dirtiest uniform out there. Well, I mean, he's leading the league in sacks taken, right? That's correct. Taken like a true champ. You think he's going to play next week? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll get Romo'd. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Romo's out. Romo. So, so news. yeah, he, he won this week, right? They, they stay alive in the playoff, oh, man. Hunt, right? They're so bad. So, I didn't, I didn't get to see that game. Did you, you Did you watch that yeah, one? Yeah, they pulled it out at the end. They pulled it out, um,. At the last second, so so they unchoked. They unchoked. <laughs> he yeah, very unromo like, but he's you know he donated his back in the process, so he's finished. And <sighs> after what I saw from the Eagles last night, I don't think they would have had a chance anyway. Come Sunday night, the Eagles look like they play on roller skates out there. Yeah, so they're rolling now. I yeah, mean, Foles has it. Where did Foles go to school? Did, is is he an, an Oregon graduate too? Or I believe so. I'm definitely not a. College who's who guy. So I, I yeah, don't let know. me see here. We're gonna. I'm, I'm married, so I'm allowed one football. What? You know, one football day per week. It used <laughs> to be Saturday and Sunday. Now I'm happy with Sunday and. Okay, so he you, played honey. for Arizona. Yeah, so he played out west. Yeah, but, but he has weapons galore. I mean, you know, shady. That guy's out of this world. <laughs> he really is. I mean, if you went against him in fantasy Super Bowl yesterday, you oh, probably gosh. lost. You yeah, know? I wish. <laughs> I actually clinched one Super Bowl, and now I'm rooting for Phil Dawson tonight to give me seven points, and I won two bowls. So that's exciting. Two Super Bowl wins this yeah, year. Yeah, huh? and a third place, and a did not place. Uh, I think you've good. got too much time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's only. Yeah, you're probably right. I am a fantasy nerd a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So how many how many fantasy leagues are you in there? Uh, legally four. <laughs> Legally for <laughs> okay. Why is there is there like the the Siberian League? You can't talk about uh, it. Is I, it a Fight Club? I could league? tell you, you know. But then, oh. <laughs> so, so back to the Dolphins. Come on, I've been waiting all, uh, all been day waiting. to get into the Dolphins. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing. You're so excited, but but the Dolphins. I mean, because we have the, the opportunity the to come not... down and put the finishing touches and ruin the dream. Well, I mean, Justin Tucker. I mean, he ruined the dream last week. Sixty-one yard field goal. That's when you know the destiny probably wasn't there for the fish this year. Really? Yeah, the I guy don't know. hit six field goals, including a sixty-one game winner. I don't know. He I'm misses just, that I'm, if you if you're the team of destiny. The talking here. Hey, New York. What do you got? Hey, New York. Uh, Something about a big... Yeah, it says Hey, New York. Oh, Hey, New York. <laughs> hey, Grant Stern. <laughs> hey, New York. <laughs> How's up, it bro? going? All is good. <laughs> You didn't think I was just going to sit here and, and let you gloat, no, did you? I think next Monday will be a funner show after the <laughs> outcome is already done. Now we could just talk hypotheticals. But at the end of the day, we're both really, like I said two weeks ago, 500 is probably our ceiling. For, for both teams. Yeah, like I said So, so the, weeks wait, ago, the Jets I mean, will be 500. It. The Jets it, will win 500. If the Jets win, they win come in second place in the AFC East. Ooh. So, and we had no expectations coming in. Oh, hey, uh, you know what? We're going to open the line to calls uh, at 305-541-2350, okay? I, I think we have a caller right now. Caller? Yeah, hello. Yes, huh? yes. Caller, what's your name and your, your city? 
Hey, Grant, this is Drew from Miami Shores calling. Hey, how's it going, Drew, from the Shores? Doing all right, man. Just what's up, Drew? Football discussion. What's up, Fanatic? So, well. so what's going on? Talk to me here. Well, first of all, Fanatic, congratulations that your quarterback finally showed signs of life after about a, a five-week coma. Okay, thank you, <laughs> I guess. I mean... Did somebody administer some smelling salts, or did they replace the offensive coordinator? What happened? Yeah, what's no, Gino same, up to? He's Gino, a Miami guy, you know. He went Gino to, to Miramar. Gino had a great day high. yesterday. Gino has shown, you know, flashes week in and week out. The so thing with Gino is I can't measure him yet. I honestly can't because he really didn't have a lot of uh, weapons to work with this year, in my opinion. So here's the question for Jets fans. You're, you're looking at a team that you know still has a, a, an argument for 500. Yep. You've got a... You know, quarterback in progress, a complete lack of skill players, and a coach who may have done enough to keep his job. Do you want him to keep his yes. job? I, I, yes, I think he's earned that right. I think he's given me more as a Jet fan in the first two years to carry him past the last three. The way I look at it is when players want to play for you, you know, it shows a lot. It really does because. Look at Detroit. If you give Rex Ryan the Detroit team, I guarantee you have a totally different outcome. So players and coaches, I'm not of the opinion where, you know, you have a couple of bad years and it's all on the coach. Yeah, you're supposed to win as a coach. But there's more to that. And I think the Jets have showed uh, they're willing to run through a wall for him. And I would keep him for two, at least two years and let him let him figure it out. So, so Gino gets a pass. Gino needs to be developed. Yeah. I, I is, mean, I, you know, he's a rookie. It's not easy to say that. You got there right now, the coaching staff that you want to see developing Gino. I like Morningwood. I, I like what I've seen out of him. I but, mean, but, we've I mean, been Rex punished Ryan, with offensive coordinators wait, recently. Rex Ryan is telling the team that, that he's gone. That's probably motivation. He's trying to get him going for the last two games. What else could he possibly say? Like, yeah, hey, but, they want to fire me, and he knows that they're going to have his back. So he but, brought it but up. But isn't that a dangerous, self-fulfilling it is, prophecy it is, to put out there just to win a couple of meaningless games? I, I agree, but that's Rex, right? That's Rex being Rex. So that, that's it is. kind of like falling and, in and love management, with feet. It's, it's a little can, stinky, but some people could are, end are up like saying, that. Yeah, they could end up saying, "Look, that's not professional. That's not the way to dis- you know. You shouldn't discuss that in the locker room." It, it's a gambit. It's a gambit. But I mean, but is there Rex. any possible payoff? Rex, when Rex runs his mouth. You know, you just got to roll with it. Sometimes it'll work out. Sometimes he'll eat it, but he'll eat it with pride and keep fighting on. So I would give him two more years personally and see what happens. Well, I just remember Rex has his lucrative backup job of foot fetish photographer. Right. Things don't work out. He can always go back to narrating foot fetish videos. Right. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's yesterday's periodical. <laughs> Narrating foot fetish videos. I, yeah, but if you if you know if let's say it was a different world and Belichick stayed, right, and somehow some way Rex ended up in New England with Tom Brady, they probably never would have won a Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Rex Ryan, we're talking about. Yeah, Rex Ryan. But Rex Ryan's not an offensive mind. No, he's a defensive mind. So is Belichick. Yeah, but but Belichick's teams have had consistently above average offenses and it's not just Brady. It's it's Dude, coaching before and he had Brady, personnel. look at the record. He was in Cleveland with Vinny T. He was terrible. Yeah, he was, he was an atrocious atrocious performance. You know and, and, you know how I assimilate him to Joe Torre. Like look at Joe Torre before he got to the Yankees. 
terrible manager with Atlanta and the Cardinals. He couldn't win his way out of a wet paper bag. You get players, you do well. You know, <laughs> if you're a good coach and you have good players, you should do well. But, but the thing is, though, well, the, Belichick's been the only. In all fairness, with Belichick. Belichick has had Brady, and I know to everybody else that means basically a free pass. You're supposed to win a Super Bowl. But look at what Brady has done with an atrocious complement of receivers around him in certain years. He still makes it deep in the playoffs. Look at tonight's starter for Atlanta. you got Matt Ryan, who's supposed to be you know, approaching the echelon of the top quarterbacks. You take away his best receiver. The guy's a shell of the It's that self. simple. You know, it's easy to talk and talk and talk this one. But it yeah, all but, comes out. Football is truly a, game, a, a team game, and it takes all coordinates. To it. Look, look at your boy. No offensive line. He's a good quarterback, but well, not well, on his when ass. He's, when he's playing Matador without a, without a, a cape yeah. and without a, a, a knife. But the know, team that I can't stand is the Detroit Lions. I mean, Detroit Lions, with all those weapons, it's embarrassing. Like, you give, put Rex Ryan, like I said, put Rex Ryan in Detroit, and I guarantee you they do not look like they did yesterday against the Giants. That was an embarrassing effort. You know, they, they've terribly underperformed. It's really sad. But if you're a Detroit Lions fan, at least you're happy. You're getting a new coach. Right. And he was complaining. He was yelling at the fans on the way out, you saw? They were booing, and he was upset at the fans for booing after they just stunk the bet out. Well, you know, they've underperformed. And, and significantly, Calvin Johnson has, has missed just a few catches. But, like, those key... Like you know, they just play yeah, the, flat. The, the, the key, like the, that yeah. catch that that takes you out of the playoffs, kind of catch. Right. You know, the end of the game, the the game winning touchdown that he just can't hold on to, like at the edge of his fingertips. So, so I mean, I agree. They've they've underperformed in myriad ways in Detroit. But what's going on with the Jets is is a little different. I think it's structural. Do you think that that Rex well, we is going to survive? I don't know if he's going to survive. Honestly. Uh... I don't. I, I can't trust Woody to really. You know, I, I can't figure that guy out. You know, he doesn't do what makes sense, in my opinion. So he might fire him. I have no idea. Well, billionaires have a tendency to do what it is that they think that they want to do, and sometimes right. they listen to the people they hire, and a lot of times they just say, "Hey, I'm the billionaire. I'm going to do what Woody I want." Woody Johnson's perception of reality is so far different than mine or yours. It's not even close. Well, he he did draft Mark Sanchez. That's a very good point. <laughs> right. Yeah, he personally drafted Sanchez. Uh, we're going to go back to Sanchez, please. Can we drop that? He took us so, further. But, but he says he's coming back next year. Oh, I mean, so, so okay, we've week. got Stop so the self-fulfilling prophecy. He might come back. Jets, so that, that he's going to have Sanchez to restructure his contract. Stay, but, but Ryan is going to go. The NFL isn't the same without a pretty boy in a headband. We need him back. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I can't lie. I have so no defense to that. One, one quick point before I go. Yep. I am behind in my Super Bowl. I need Anquan Bolden to have a big game. I need Warlow, the awesome rookie linebacker for Atlanta, to do nothing. IDP, and I need nice. A couple field goals. The winner of this league, it doesn't just get money and bragging rights, but I actually get a belt, like an NF, like a WWE wrestler, oh, a cool. big belt. Okay, you're going to have to tweet us. Are you married by any chance? I am not married, thank oh, okay. you. I was going to say... <laughs> If you bring that belt into America. <laughs> well, actually, my, my girlfriend is very excited, and she asked if she could wear the belt, and I told her. Oh, that could be not fun. Not only can she, but she must wear the belt there around the go. house. Definitely. It. So, it's a requirement. Guys, cheer for me. If it, I'm rooting for you, bro. With Phil sure Dawson, root for me. Seven points I need out of Phil Dawson. I'll take your seven from Dawson. I need like 20 from Anquan. Go Niners. You guys have a great night. All right, bro. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Drew. 
And this is the Only in Miami show. We're talking sports. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions. Call in 305-541-2350. I'm going to give us a little heat update. It is... The second quarter, nine minutes left. Heat versus Hawks. The Heat are leading 34 to 31. I'm expecting a live call in at halftime. If halftime happens within the show, it may not. It looks like they're running a little bit late. Uh, let's see. Who's busy, doing what? Here? Busy night around the NBA tonight. Busy night in the NBA. LeBron already has 12 points, four assists. Uh,. Yeah, everybody else is kind of working their way in there. I don't see anything else major except it. Oh, we have a caller. We have a caller. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? My name is John. I'm calling from Kendall. Thanks for calling, John. And do you have a question? you have a comment? My question is, do you think that Joe Feldman and Jeff Ireland should both get long-term extensions given the fact that the Dolphins are on the cusp of making the playoffs. Thank you. I'm going to sign off. All righty. Thanks for your question, John. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that Philbin doesn't deserve a long-term extension right now, but Jeff Ireland deserves the boot. Get rid of him. Why is he here? This team would be clearly in the playoffs if they had simply signed a couple of offensive linemen. Which or, they had already on right, the team. Right, or, or kept Jake Long. Or drafted He's some offensive ACL, linemen. So. Uh, Long is out with it. Yeah, but but he wasn't at the beginning of the season. You would have taken those 15 weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would have taken those 15 weeks. I mean, you know, it, it, stability. You, you have to have a little bit of continuity, especially on the offensive line. That's like where it's most important. And, and he was the cornerstone. And he thought this running back tandem would... You know, be w worth their weight, and how's that turn out, really? Uh, well, I mean, he, he gets Reg rid of Reggie Bush. Yeah, why? He gets rid of Jake Long. He gets rid of Dan Carpenter, and guess what? Dan Carpenter single-handedly cost the Dolphins a, a very important early season game, along with Philbin. Philbin helped a lot in that, but Dan Carpenter really won that game for the Bills by his consistency and a game-winning kick. Right. <laughs> But your kicker did well. If that's the best move you could talk no, about as the kicker, well. then... No, but but he didn't do well. I was at that game. He missed an, a field goal, and that was the margin of the game. Yeah. I I'm, mean... But the, your, yeah, well... <laughs> it was the margin. It, I can't it, argue with you on Ireland. If I was a Dolphin fan, I'd want to see him out, too. Uh, you know, but Philbin, you got to tip your cap. I mean, after what he went through this year, to I, I keep their head above water, yeah. you, that's a huge sign, you know? Yeah, Philbin did, I think, a, a, a stand-up job. I think he's improving as a coach. Um, I think that, that he's, you know, learning how to manage the team. Yeah, you get him an O line, give your quarterback some. Ch it's hard to t it's hard to see what a quarterback truly is unless you see him with the time and you know decent receivers. Well, it's just tough. you know again I I put that on Jeff Ireland. Yeah. You know I, Jeff Ireland. My opinion is that he's got some sort of. Some something going on that's that's like nobody knows, but some sort of maybe maybe something that's like diagnosed in some of these players that that he keeps bringing in that are strange. Well, ultimately, strange the incognito guys. thing might just have sealed his ticket, no matter what. You know, and when the caller said, "Do you think that they, you know they should stay on the cusp?" You got to make that determination after it's all said and done. The team the team did start out strong and faded hard. The team started out inconsistently. 
But they, they were, what, 3-0, 4-0? Oh, right, exactly. And then they went to 3-3. Three and three. They won three. They lost three. Exactly. That's inconsistency. I mean, and he gets a contract. There are two ways to 500 teams. Three. Win one, lose one, or win three, lose three. Right, right. <laughs> that's a different. That's, a, that, exactly. that's how the Jets it's... and Dolphins both get to 500. But where, <laughs> but yeah. where the Jets had some success recently is when they did draft O-line. You know, Mangold and the Brickashaw, they understood that you have to build a team from the trenches, from the inside out. They're yet to get to the out part. <laughs> but their in part was good. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know, the, I put the, Mike Wallace on the Jets. I'd be happy. Well, well, the in part uh, at least it ensures that whoever's there has room to operate. And now I'm I'm going to okay. give out the number. We're not done talking about this, but the the call in number for your questions, your comments. We want to hear from you. Three zero five five four one two three five zero. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern. I'm here with co-host, Drastic Fanatic. He's at Drastic Fanatic on Twitter. Callers, we want to hear from you. 305-541-2350. We're talking Miami sports, and we're talking the Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets this upcoming weekend. On like Donkey Kong. It's a grudge match. <laughs> it's a grudge match. You have nothing to that, play for except spite. Rex. We have to play for Rex. It's play it play for Rex. That's the that's, that's the, the war ticket. cry. Yep. What else is there? Beat the Dolphins always means something, no matter where, what, who, how. Look, the Jets and Dolphins have not have a lot of meaningless games recently. Come on. So that's true. I mean, listen. Even when the Dolphins were out of the hunt, and Ted Ginn Jr. scored those two touchdowns. To beat the Jets almost single-handedly, I enjoyed it. Of course you did. <laughs> Let's enjoy Sunday. Let's see what happens on Sunday. Let's see if the Jets' D-line could terrorize Tannehill. And well, I mean, what do you think the chances are? Like, like realistically here. What does Vegas say? Vegas? Vegas. You're asking me what Vegas says? You uh, could pull it up on your handy-dandy uh, yeah, notebook. Yeah. Versus New York Jets. Probably three. Uh, odds. There we go. Let's see what the odds are in Vegas. Look at my knickerbockers tonight, huh? Yeah, Mello's still there. 72-49. Knicks at Orlando. Knicks winning 72-49. Maybe they had a curfew. Maybe. Did you read that late. story that, that, that yeah. Coach Woodson? We'll get into that later. It, 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 yeah, okay, okay. They we'll have get to go night-night early. Uh, let's see. Uh, what are the odds here? The uh, New York Jets... Versus the Miami Dolphins, Vegas odds. Okay, you know what? I'm going to look at Yahoo Sports. They just they publish uh, an odds. Such a goody two shoes. You don't know any sports line sites, Grant? Well, you know, it's just <laughs> that's not a my good thing, thing, man. I know. Mine either. <laughs> I mean, I play fantasy football. Uh, to me, that's a lot more fun because I agree. there's some form of and it's skill safer. involved. It's safer. It's safer. Well, there, there's there's <laughs> skill in playing. The commissioner is not going to break your legs. Oh yeah, it's true. Oh, well, maybe it depends on your commissioner. Well, yeah, I think with our commissioner, <laughs> you know, I got to look out there. <laughs> I think he gypped him. You owe me ten bucks to bring him. Oh, I owe, I owe him 10 bucks. Oh, jeez. I'll never hear the end of it ever again, huh? I got you, bro. I got you. Oh, you got me? Okay, yeah. good, good. So, okay, yeah, that, oh, this is not giving me any odds. Well, you know what? We're going to take a really short break, and we're going to come back with more sports talk. We're taking your calls. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with the Drastic Fanatic. We're talking Miami sports. Please give me a call. Tell me what you think. 
305-541-2350. We'll see you or hear from you on the dra- the Only in Miami show in just a minute. Alrighty, we have a call in. You're on the Only in Miami show. Caller, give us your name and where you're calling from. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Drew. I'm calling from Coral Gables. Hey, Drew from Coral Gables. How's it going? Good. I want to talk to uh, Drastic Fanatic. Tonight. At your service. What's up, Drastic? What's up, big guy? How you doing? All is well. Thank you for asking. Good, good. I think uh, it's kind of fitting that your show is called Only in Miami because Only in Miami would we still be talking about the Dolphins right now in uh Almost the new year because they're never around this time of year, and uh, it's kind of a, a joke what happened on Sunday with them. Oh yeah, I thought that they were going to cancel the rest of the season after last uh, Sunday. Yeah, they probably uh, should. I don't know where to start with that team. I think uh, obviously the offensive line is decimated, but uh, as we've seen uh, in New York this year with the Giants, it's. Uh, Kind of, uh, you just need the other pieces. There. There's no running game there. Um, the receivers are, you know, uh, marginal at best. Um, I think the I receivers think was, have been less of the problem this year than right. than the combination of the the offensive Quarter, line. You got to give your quarterback three Mississippi at least to get it to him. You know. <laughs> yeah, but even I think you got to give him at least I mean, two like Mississippi. Hardline drops that pass. Uh, that was painful know, that to watch. That could have been six right there. I mean, it's just, you know, they're just inconsistent, too. I mean, well, I think that's the, the first time Hartline you know, really. A glaring weakness on the team, but, you know, it, you know, like I referred to the Giants, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a terrible season, obviously, but, um, you know, obviously the offensive line for the Giants has been uh, sort of piecemeal together this year. Um, although Pew played well, uh, you know, he's had, they've had, you know, uh, problems with the running game, too. And when you, and when you don't have that, even a quarterback like uh, like Eli is going to look uh, marginal, you know. <laughs> do you want to bl- do you want to blame Eli's troubles on the O line this year? Well, you know what, he hasn't gotten the same the time the same way Tannehill is. He's, he hasn't gotten time. Uh, look, a lot of his interceptions. Uh, Hakeem say, Nicks you know, disappeared into the 50, air. Sixty percent are are on Eli, but you know the rest of them are on bad receiver. You know. Well, I mean, the, the Giants also lost every starting around, running back. You know? and why did they let the, the Giants? Tight, why did they let backs? the tight end walk? That was a no, bad decision. I, that, that's you know that's bad too. I mean, he had tight end had that, that bailout yeah. option tight end. You know, the guys are big, six foot six, and they let him walk. And look, he's doing great now. Yeah. Well, who's he playing for? Bears. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, the 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 Giants lost every single running back. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, they're they're picking up guys off the wire and starting them, and then right. you know, guys that they dropped earlier in the year. I think they had what five or six running backs this year start. You know, I mean, started, injury. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was the Wilson, Wilson. troubles and Brown getting hurt. I mean, and then and then Peyton but Hillis that, came that, in and Brandon Jacobs came back. Is, is right because you know, look at look at look at teams in the NFL. If you look at every good team in the NFL, what they all have is a good tight end. Yeah, well, I, I mean, again, like you know, it's an injury situation with the Giants. I mean, as as a Dolphins fan, I think you have to be a Giants fan right. because of of the wonderful things they've done. To preserve the perfect season, to keep the Patriots from winning five Super Bowls in a decade, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
Giants are kind of like a dolphin's best friend. Yeah, we 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 can't we can't really complain. That's a double-edged negative sword disaster from in seven years. We can't really complain much, right? Well, I mean, now we're all Bengals fans. So how much longer for Tommy C? Is he gone? You can't uh, no, fire him. Give, He's gonna uh, let him. You gotta give Coughlin one more year uh, with Eli to come back and Reese to to uh, you know. Uh, uh, take another Get run it at together. it. I, I yeah. think I think this year, this season was sort of a uh, a hiccup, an anomaly. Really, I mean, it's really not. You know, the Giants weren't going to start zero and six. I mean, if you asked anybody in insiders in Vegas and whoever, you know, the Giants going to start zero and six. Yeah, it was an albatross. Yeah, That's... I mean, no, that wasn't going to. I mean, you know, uh, there were games in there they should have won. Um, there were games in there they didn't show up for. But uh, you know. It, the fact that they started 0 6 is just, you know, I mean, that was just really. It was uh, a shock. It's hard Absolutely. to rally the troops after 0 6, no question. So, yeah. okay, I've got the odds up here, but before I tell everybody the odds, I want to, I want to let you guys guess. What do you think the the spread is? Like, who's favored by mm, how much what? in the Dolphins and the Jets game? I think this, Dolphins this are favored by four. Drew, what do you think? Uh, I, I would say uh, Dolphins. Uh, I'd say three. Okay. Vegas, all, all the Vegas odds, it's uh, VegasInsider.com. Uh, everybody has the Dolphins for a six to seven point favorite. Most of them are at six and a half. I'll take the money line. Yeah. <laughs> what up, kid? <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. And, uh, hey, well, I mean, the uh, Dolphins are playing for something. Right, the Jets what, what aren't. What do you guys think about LeBron? You think he's going to uh, stick around? I know that's, been a hot that's a great question because the rest of the time I think we're going to chat about the Heat here and the Knicks. I think LeBron is going to stick around, and I'll tell you why. Hey, let me ask you a question about the Giants. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll this? talk plenty of heat. I just want to finish up on the Giants. <laughs> we don't give them any love, really. Yeah. Um, would you put this season more on the GM or more on the coach? Uh, as a Giants, very fan? good question. Uh, I think uh, they're both uh, equally responsible for this, you know, debacle. I think that and the quarterback uh, too, no question. Less so, I, I put more of the blame on the actual uh, pieces that they put around. Yeah, so that's the GM. He got let let the tight end walk. Yeah, but also, where are you, where's also, your linebacking you know, core? Gilbride Gilbride's play calling is 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 marginal, I'd say, and predictable. And they got. I think that if you're going to do anything with the Giants this year, you just you you try to go out, you try to you know uh, reload a little bit on the offensive line, you know, bring in. You know, maybe a decent tight end and a, and a, and a, 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 a better running back than they've had. Right. Um, at least a number one running back, and uh, it's a whole bunch of changes. Yeah, a whole bunch of changes. I mean, you know, it's it's really. Uh, uh, but I think it's you know they they got to get rid of. But Gilbert. they're in the right division at least. Anything can happen in that crazy division. Right. But now it looks like the Eagles are about to spread their wings and soar. Yeah, without without uh, without Romo, even with try. Romo, what is Romo going to do? Choke again? Yeah, well, find a new way. Out. Did you see? You guys saw that, right? Yeah, herniated disc. Yeah, he's done. He's got uh, surgery. Saved himself up. a week of embarrassment. I hope he gets well soon. Yeah, exactly. God bless. <laughs> God bless. So, LeBron, I think he's staying. Why? The Heat family, and I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I was talking about this. Uh, I took a short cruise this weekend. Huh? You know, just a short getaway, and I met actually. Uh, a player on the Bengals injured reserve. And the the topic came up. I mean, you know, I was wearing, you know, like I, I did like the, the little basketball tournament, you know, where everybody, uh, you know, jumps around and throws the ball into like, you know, 30 mile per hour wins. Right. 
You know, the Foul Fest. It's a good time. Fun stuff. You did like uh, White Man Can't Jump? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't jump, but we can foul okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know. So so we, we finished the game, and, you know, I'm wearing, you know, Heat shorts and a, a Dwayne Wade jersey. I mean, everywhere I went, people were like, oh, Miami Heat. Yeah, you know, they're really happy. And uh, and and he said something actually, like, like very insightful without, you know, like any prior knowledge uh, of what he, you know, like he, he didn't know that the season ticket holders, the Miami Heat called the, the, the season ticket holder group right. the, the Miami Heat family. That that's what they call it. He said LeBron staying in Miami because the Heat they built a team like a family, and and I'm telling you, that's the key. That's the key to their success, and it's why LeBron James is going to stick around. And it's a family. And Pat Riley's definitely the godfather of the NBA. Absolutely. Pat but how Riley much is longer is Pat Riley going to stick around? But it's not about Pat Riley. He built an organization. Yeah, but you can't clone a Pat Riley. No, but you have Andy Ellisberg, who's been there for. Decades now, ever since Pat Riley showed up, he's he's the general manager today. Right. You have Nick Arison. He's the third generation of his family to be the managing partner of the Miami Heat group, okay. the ownership group. I mean, we're talking about, you know, generation to generation stability for a franchise. Look at, you know, and compare that to the Miami Dolphins, where, you know, the Robbie family lost control of the team. Right. Uh, you know, then, then Huizinga, um, you know, he, he was... He could have done better. His his heart was in the right place. His wallet was certainly in the right place. I mean, we're talking about a man that that spent two hundred and fifty million dollars of private funds to renovate the stadium. The anti Luria. The anti Luria. The anti Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross went. Right. And he said, "Look, this is a bad investment, and I'm not going to make it." But right. Wayne Heisinger didn't see it that way. You right. know. I think that uh, I think that it really could go either way. I think that the only other place LeBron would go would be home, um, and I think that uh, uh, you know Drastic would would probably agree with me in that they're not far away from being able to contend for a championship. You put LeBron Cleveland? back on that team, and you know again the only one that that's going to stop them might be the Pacers. Right. That's it. So I think you know with cut with Irving and Verjao and, and Bynum, Bynum maybe and some when of the other pieces they have there. I mean, LeBron could win a championship for the next three years there too. And Wade's a little creaky. Uh, you know what? I don't yeah, think I don't think you know. I don't think LeBron goes everywhere and wins a championship. There's there's uh, a lot more yeah, going I think on. That if, you, if you put him on the Cavs this year, uh, they would be uh, you know they'd, they'd be formidable. Would they really? Yeah, I mean, do they play defense? Absolutely. Yeah. Do the Cavs play defense? I'm going to go to the numbers. Look, if if that's fine, if you put a player like LeBron into the whole fold, your whole Changes spacing, everything. everything becomes different. You know. Well, because he becomes the best, but, best but, player but, at every uh, position uh, on the court, yeah, and, but and it, the players on the team feed off his energy. Right. Look, exactly. that didn't happen automatically in Miami, and I don't see why it would happen automatically anywhere else. Well, it was a different situation in Miami. Dwayne, you know, Kyrie Irving's not Dwayne Wade. Dwayne no, Wade had a ring already. No, 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 but Kyrie is is a full time ball handler. That's right. I mean, Dwayne Wade was a most of the time He's a ball two handler. Guard. But but Ky- I mean, Kyrie is a full time ball point handler. guard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that LeBron wouldn't coexist with a guy like like uh, Kyrie, but it's to say, do they have the core of of guys that do the dirty work? 
And I, yeah, I if Andre Varejao, there's no more dirty work guy than that guy. Look, I can and agree Bynum, with you if he ever gets healed, Varejao's dirty. We can Tristan all agree Thompson on that. Have, he's yeah. one of the dirtiest players, but he's like the bully that everybody beats up on. I mean, Dwayne Wade. How many times has Dwayne Wade destroyed Varejao at the rim? But that's not. You never know. Look, oh, no, no, if no, no. I was, we do know, almost that's every fine. Time they, play. they can always get a scrappy guy if they need to. But the question is. My only concern is if LeBron was going to stay, then why not say it? Well, I'm a, I'm a Heat family. Let's just do it. Sign it up. Let's right. just st- let's stay. He's not doing that. Why do I need to go through another version of the decision part two again? And it's well, going well, to be that. Well, and what I'll if he's opting out? Hold on. What if he's opting out? And well, what if oh. LeBron is opting out to take a contract extension? With, with a lower set of raises. I want to hear about money and LeBron ca- James, though, dude. More, more space money than he needs. What's it, $4 million, $2 million, $3 million going to make a difference on an NBA contract? Yeah, but not, not for LeBron. LeBron. No, not for LeBron to get more money, but for LeBron to open up more cap space. I think that's what's going to happen, if anything, if there is an opt-out. I mean, listen. He'll restructure his own contract, you're saying. Yeah, right. I think he wants to LeBron recruit the next, need the, money. Listen, the next super when, friend. When Shaquille O'Neal came to the Miami Heat, what was the first thing he did? He took his contract and he gave the team a friendly extension. Okay? And he gave the team a friendly extension because... He was 40 years old and wanted one more on the way out. Right. Yeah, so good. But, for, but and he had I, more money than God already anyway. So money's not an issue at that point with these guys. And, and I don't think that money is an issue with LeBron. And anybody who thinks so is fooling themselves. I but agree. with a guy like Melo, it's a different story. Money is a, money is an issue with Melo. So but, the Knicks can offer him 30 mil more than the next guy. Does he stay in New York for the 30 mil difference? But, but that 30 mil is taxed to what, 55%? <laughs> right. Much. That's pretty much. That's Through 15% of it. So, I mean, you know, when you when you look at these contracts, that extra State 30 million. State tax and city tax. Right. That extra 30 million <laughs> is all in the final year. So, like, people were looking, and Dwight Howard had a similar situation with the Lakers. Okay, Dwight Howard could get one extra year, which and, and slightly larger increases. He would have made about an extra thirty million with the uh, you know with the Lakers. But over the first four years, he would have made like ten million less because of the tax issue between the difference between California and Texas. Right. Do you think? And I'm going to ask drastic first. I'm going to ask you, Drew. Do you think that Melo is going to go to Aspen and see whose fans? Tell him that their city is the one, like Dwight Howard did this summer. Is Melo staying in New York? Drastic. Melo. Uh, yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes. Really? That I fast. agree. I agree, too. I think he stays. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, better place for, for Melo to go, to be honest with you. They just, they, they got it. They'll get, they'll get relief from Amari's contract falling off. Um, they'll bring somebody else in. Yeah, but Amari is still there next year. Else. Yeah, Amari's still on the books yeah, one more Amari year. Yeah, Amari is there next year. Player option. Bargnani is there next Oh, I think oh, d- definitely he's going to opt out. <laughs> yeah, right. $20 million. <laughs> $20 million. <laughs> hey, you keep it. You know what? I never played for you guys. I took enough of your money. Amari is going to opt out for, uh, for more playing time. <laughs> yeah, they, work they should play him more. That way he'll just... I don't even get into the Mari thing. Now, they okay, could have saved drastic, the amnesty for drastic. Him. You were saying yeah. that you thought the the Lakers should rent Amari for a year and see what happens. Amari, no. Like when Amari when Paul Gasol, Powell. yeah, when Paul Gasol was crying about D'Antoni, I thought that maybe sending Amari for Paul Gasol might have made sense for both teams. Amari did have success in the D'Antoni system, and Paul wanted out. And I think you know, put Paul and Bargnani on the same court. <laughs> it's poetry right there. 
poetry. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of seven footers that don't rebound. Right. Well, no, <laughs> Paul rebounds. Paul's double digit rebounds this year. Yeah, I guess. So, I guess. He's Bargnani, not like Bargnani hasn't pulled down a board all year. No, he doesn't. Does he like play him. defense? No. He does shoot three pointers though. Actually, that's oh, that he's was a an big, embarrassment. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what what happened there? So so Bargnani gets that's the ball. That's what you call the like, brain fart. Yeah, that was really that was just that was a uh, just a lapse judgment. But but it seems like this Knicks team is is really built for these kind of lapses. Well, like I've been saying for weeks, it's, it starts at the, the head coach. Yeah, he has no X's and O ability. This guy, you no. know. I mean, the other night he. Uh, he lets Melo bring up the ball with ten seconds left. The guy's got sitting on. How about the foul? Out. They had a foul to give. Then you had play. A, they had a foul to give before that even. Yeah, right. They missed the foul to give. And he lets, and he lets Bino uh, play defense. Who can't play defense? Right. And yeah, then the guy drives is, right to the basket. On, why not have Hardaway, uh, Iman Shumpert, J.R. Smith guard the perimeter and two big men, and that's it. Right. What's Bino Udre doing out there? Oh, terrible, terrible. Well, I mean, again, terrible. injuries. Both of those. Both of those. Both of those uh, you know, were just illustrations of, of Woodson's lack yeah. of game control. And how many times have you seen the last second shot, right? Down one? Yeah. Just an ISO chuck. Nothing. No backdoor screens. No. Well, this nothing. is the play that they brought him in to run the isolation for Melo. He's supposed to be a defensive coach, but unfortunately, he doesn't have defensive minded players, so, except for Tyson Chandler. So that combination is not. Really good for a defensive coach. So speaking <laughs> of injuries, Kobe, and we only have like two minutes left. Kobe, okay. what what's his upside? I mean, he's out for six weeks. Now, Lakers are finished. Move on. Next topic. Next yeah, topic. Lakers are done. Kobe's, Kobe's signing extension will be there, but they're, they're, they're off the map. They gave him that extension too early. I thought that if they had, anyone could have made a good play at LeBron, I thought the Lakers might have been able to. I have I 10 that, guys coming uh, off the I books think, next year. I agree, but I think that uh, they had to, be, you know, because I think the Lakers, you know, pride themselves on being that, you know, Laker family thing. <laughs> Laker you know, family. and they didn't want Kobe uh, wearing any other uniform. Well, right. you know what? I, I think for them, honestly, what they did is go- going to pay dividends, even if it's a couple years down the road, because people know that this Lakers management is still a player-friendly Laker management team. Even though it may not have been the best decision, that kind of loyalty is what NBA players and professional athletes seek from a management group. Drew, thank you for calling into the show. Thanks, Thanks buddy. We've it. got a little bit less than a minute left. So, Drastic, what's your prediction? What's what's the final Jazz. score? Dolphins, Jets. <laughs> is that Fireman Six. Ed? Oh, no, that's right. He retired because the Jets. Uh, Ass Okay, so what's your prediction? Score, come on. I say Jets win it 16-13. Okay, I say Dolphins find a way to lose 21-20. God bless. Good call. (laughs) I'm a homer, but I'm a realist. Thanks for joining us tonight. This is the only In Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with Drastic Fanatic. We've had a great time. Thank you, Carlos Miller from PhotographyIsNotACrime.com for coming out and being our studio guest. That was great. Next week with Karen Anderson from the Aventura Wine and Food Festival on the Only in Miami show. Thanks for listening.